Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back. Goes reverse with a left hand. It was sweet. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Well, the All-Star break coming at a good time for the Golden State Warriors right in the middle of a five-game losing streak, their longest losing streak of the season as Golden State seemed to be a tired basketball team heading into Houston and the All-Star weekend. Hi, everybody. I, Tim Roy. Once again, I invite you to take a seat around the roundtable as the Golden State Warriors get ready for the All-Star weekend. We'll tell you about their participation in it with David Lee playing on Sunday, Steph Curry in the three-point shootout, and, of course, Harrison Barnes and Klay Thompson in the Rising Stars game. We'll take your questions and comments on Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X, or you can email me at TimRoy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E. We try to answer as many questions as we can, and we also are a conduit to the players and the coaching staff and the management to the Golden State Warriors. So if you have a question for them, we could take your question, put our microphones and cameras in front of them, and get your answer right here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Later on in the hour, I'll sit down with two scribes, Rusty Simmons of the San Francisco Chronicle and Marcus Thompson of the Bay Area News Group and get their thoughts on the first 52 games of the Golden State Warriors, the unofficial break uh, in the season. And so the Golden State Warriors have 30 games left in the regular season. I'll get their thoughts on the trading deadline, General Manager Bob Myers and the great job that he has done and how the consistency of Mark Jackson helped this team to achieve uh, 30 wins in their first 52 games. And how many of you would have uh, taken 30-22 and 22 at the All-Star break? Warriors in the number six spot. Now, granted, the five-game losing streak puts a little damper on that, but I'm sure many of you would have had your hands in the air if I have asked you on Halloween night when the Warriors were in Phoenix, would you take eight games above 500 in the number six spot in the Western Conference playoffs at the All-Star break? Many of you would have given an emphatic, yes, I'll take that uh, for the Golden State Warriors this season. We all kind of got a little greedy there when they uh, jumped out 30-17 and 17 before losing their last five. All that's coming up this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Royce. We get you ready for the All-Star break right here on KBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the hand, a baseline to the rack, jammed it and one foul. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Hi, Tim Moy. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues with a reminder. Don't miss the next bobblehead giveaway. The Clay Thompson Bobblehead Night takes place on Wednesday, February 20th, against the Phoenix Suns. The first of 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a limited edition bobblehead courtesy of Lucky. Go to warriors.com slash bobblehead. Well, back on uh, January 24th, the Warriors were in Chicago when David Lee found out he was going to be the Golden State Warriors' first representative in the All-Star game since Latrell Sprewell. Uh, what a great night for David Lee as he's part of the Western Conference All-Star squad. And then one week later, on February the 7th, in the uh, draft for the Rising Stars a Challenge, Clay Thompson and Harrison Barnes both taken by Team Shaq. And then Steph Curry was selected to be back in the three-point shooting contest. He was the runner-up in 2010, and he'll be battling five other marksmen in the three-point shootout 
uh, coming up in All-Star Weekend. So the Golden State Warriors are well represented as they head toward Houston. Here are some of the thoughts, and not only of David Lee, Steph Curry, Harrison Barnes, Clay Thompson, and thoughts from other players and coaches around the league about the quality of players that the Golden State Warriors are sending to Houston. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. The first warrior since Latrell Sprewell in 1997 makes it for the second time. He did it with the Knicks in 2010. He's averaging 20 points, 11 rebounds. His 26 double-doubles, second to Zach Randolph's 27. So David Lee rounds wow. it out for the Western Conference. To me, it means... You know, that uh, that our team is doing great things and, and finally getting national recognition. It's just a blessing just to be a part of All-Star Weekend. Uh, not only to be in the rising sophomore game with, you know, Clay, but also, you know, to be able to support David Lee and whoever else might be in All-Star activities as well. Thompson, he'll fire. Three ball! Left corner pocket! Golden State has their double-digit lead again. I'm a pretty low-key guy, and there's a lot, you know, it's a, a lot of hoopla down there, but um, but it's going to be exciting to go represent the Warriors just because they haven't had anyone uh, be in that game in a long time. We have some of the most diehard fans, and probably equally some of the most frustrated fans, just because of how you know organization that hasn't performed well consistently. So to turn on TV and also weekend in Houston and have one, maybe hopefully two players that could. Uh, represent you on, on the big stage that would be a, a big year for uh, all of our fans and, and kind of you know reward them for their faith in us. Curry behind the back to lead baseline pop up and good. Steph Curry is just out there having fun right now. Six assists seven points Warriors up 52-34. So the rookie sophomore game you know um, it's uh, some great young talent this league and I love to play it. In that competition uh, I did it my rookie year um, shot the ball pretty well, finished second to Paul Pierce, so uh, got to go down there and try to win it um, and see what happens. He better be an all-star. That's what I'm telling you about Steph Curry. Him and David Lee, man, they've done a great job of carrying us, and uh, they're both all-stars, hand down, hands down. Bounce pass and traffic, good catch by David Lee. He feeds Barnes, Barnes, slam! Oh, my goodness! Harrison Barnes cocked it back in the right hand and threw it down. Oh, man, an elevation sensation for Barnes. And Oracle has erupted. Yeah, he deserves it. You know, I think he's one of the, maybe the only guy or a handful of guys who's uh, getting 20 and 10. And uh, he's doing it on a winning team, you know. And uh, without David Lee, we wouldn't be anywhere near we are this year. We're very excited for David Lee. Uh, Well-deserved, and it's great for Warrior fans for this organization to have a representative in the All-Star game. That being said, uh, acknowledge that, appreciate it, it's a tremendous blessing, and David Lee deserves it. We play for one another, and I know for myself, one of the reasons why I go out and play so hard was to help get David into the All-Star game, and I think it's pretty much consensus that we all felt Steph was deserving as well, but you know, uh, I know David's gonna go out there and definitely uh, represent uh, us, uh, the city, the organization in a positive light. It's a great accomplishment for us. I'm mean, just as a team, you know, we've, you know, really worked hard, you know, get to where we want to be, and for David to be able to represent us not only in the All Star game, but to be the first All Star since 1997, um, it's a great accomplishment. I think we should have had two All Stars. I think it's a real tragedy that Steph didn't make the All Star team. And I told him he really got hosed. I'm not really sure. You know, I think uh, you know Shaq might have the, the higher basketball IQ, but you know 
Charles might be a fun coach to play for. That's the evolution of Steph Curry's game right there. And the Warriors celebrate on the floor below, as well they should. It's a young team that's learning their way in the association. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Recently, Harrison Barnes hosted over 50 Bay Area kids for a Hoops and Health Clinic at the Warriors Practice Facility. Harrison was there to help the kids go through a series of drills and games, and he also shared some of his favorite health and fitness tips for staying healthy and avoiding injuries. I mean, these kids, you know, it means the world to them to, you know, have an NBA player here, be able to interact, kind of, you know, be able to talk to them. And, you know, thanks to, you know, Kaiser Permanente for, you know, allowing us to be able to do this, we're able to, you know, come here and interact with them. When you get a good start in the morning, you think better at school, you're a better athlete, you learn more, and it helps you really grow faster, too. I think it's great. Actually, I think that um, it's really helpful to have support from our um, elite athletes because it really um, reinforces the kids the importance of being healthy. So, you know, if we make a push for being healthy and professional athletes are out here, the ones that they um, all look up to, then it really makes a big difference. We have found as doctors that when you do these kind of exercises, it actually helps you to prevent injuries. And the healthier you stay, the better athlete you become, the happier you are, you become a smarter player. It's always great to keep you out on the field and out on the courts. My favorite drill was to shoot and rebound for myself. Uh, I think that's the best way to just develop, you know, conditioning is just shoot by yourself, rebound, and act like you're playing one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Just stay active. Everyday fitness is always important. I mean, it makes you feel better. It's, it'll help you live longer. It's, it's healthier for you, and uh, it's just something you should do every day. over him, it's up a good Harrison Barnes can feel it right now. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Don't forget, Kia is inviting you to meet Warriors rookie Draymond Green at 6 o'clock next to Thursday, February 21st at Kia of Santa Rosa. Draymond will sign autographs for fans until 7 o'clock. For more information, go to warriors.com slash meet Draymond. Kia, the official vehicle of the Golden State Warriors. Hi, Tim Roy. Time now to answer your questions about the Golden State Warriors and the NBA. We do that either via Twitter, at WarriorsVox, Warriors V-O-X, or we can go online to our email, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. Well, earlier this week, the Golden State Warriors made news. Their announcement with Adidas came away with basketball jerseys that have sleeves on them. It's a gold-looking jersey, pinstripe shorts, a little bit of a different look. Some like it, some don't like it. So one fan wanted to know, not a fan of the shirt idea, what are your thoughts, Tim? Well, I wanted to find out from somebody who may have had a, a better clue about it, a guy who played major college basketball at UCLA, and that's Warriors General Manager Bob Myers. We posed the question about the shirts to Bob, and here's what he had to say. There's two ways to look at this. Friends, everybody looks at the aesthetic angle, and, and, and there's going to be a lot of different opinions about who likes it, who doesn't. 
how it looks. People like different shoes, how they look, jackets, ties, whatever it is. And nobody's going to be consensus on that stuff. But on the function element, what I was most concerned about, because I have to be, is is this going to affect how we play? I mean, is this, is this an issue with performance? And they actually gave us these things, and I tried it out and ran out there, and we, we messed around with them. As far as functioning-wise, the shorts are extremely light. I mean, forget about if you like the way they look or not for a moment, which is hard for a lot of people to do. Uh, they're extremely light, the lightest pair that you'll ever see, because a lot of guys now wear these compression shorts, tights, spandex, or padded stuff underneath it. So the shorts are really light, and the shirts, it's amazing um, what they do now with these things, where, which you used to wear. What I wore in college, what I wore in high school, when you sweat, that stuff just weighs you down. And this new technology, I don't, I don't know exactly how they cultivated it, but you, you really, your jersey is as light as it was after you've sweated as, as it was prior to putting it on. So the stuff is great as far as functioning, but I completely understand everybody's got a different idea of the look of it. I think the bottom line is if the players like playing in them, if they're okay shooting in them, then you're going to see more and more teams go to this. It's an alternative jersey and a different look for the NBA. And one of the things I think is really cool is that the Warriors are, are always willing to take a, take a chance on something like this. They're always looking to be a step ahead of the curve on things like this. And so we'll see how it works. Of course, they'll wear them when the Warriors entertain the San Antonio Spurs on February 22nd. So we'll see how it works uh, that night. And as always, you can uh, provide your input at Warriors Vox if you have an, an opinion on the jerseys or would like to see the Warriors go in a different direction. Now let's move on to a couple of questions. Uh, one from a, but a one fan wants to know how much is the Warriors' defensive collapse a credit to other team scouting and adjusting, and what can the Warriors do to counter? Well, we spoke with head coach Mark Jackson and got his thoughts on what's been happening to the Warriors in the last five games. We didn't play well. Our defense, we own that. Uh, but at the same time, we're not going to panic. We know what we have to do. we got to make the proper adjustments, and, and we've got to be better. Moving on to our next tweet, fan wants to know, why is Festus not in the lineup? Can we go to the head coach who talked about his center rotation with Andrew Bogut and, of course, with Andres Beadrich. And just personally, I think maybe it, it's also playing into a little bit of the fact that the, the rookies are kind of hitting a little bit of a wall right now in the middle part of the season. So he's trying to take a little pressure off some of those young players. Once again, Mark Jackson. We realize that we've got to do it collectively. We've got one guy that's been an elite rebounder his, his whole career, and that's David Lee. Other than that, we had to do it by committee, and my guys have responded. Final question that tonight comes from a fan who tweets often. Uh, DMizzle100 wants to know, uh, do the Warriors have any chance of a player pickup during the break? Well, I pose that question to Rusty Simmons of the San Francisco Chronicle on whether or not, in his opinion, the Warriors will be active around the deadline. The guy they need is Brandon Rush, and they had him on the roster. He's just not going to be able to play this year. Um, and I think, I think Bob Myers showed his hand last night when he said, we want to see this group together before we make any moves. Well, you only have two more games before the trade deadline, so you're not going to get to see them anymore. I mean, this is it. Uh, so I don't think they're going to do much. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Tyler or Jenkins um, to get under the luxury tax. Uh, and, and, look, you, you, the question was asked, are they going to be active? Yes, they're going to be extremely active. They're going to take every call, make every call. They're going to talk to everybody. And if there's a chance where they can – unload Richard Jefferson or Andres Biedrins in a, even a lateral move, they're going to make that move. But um, I don't see them doing anything big. And, and I think they do need some scoring punch off the bench, but I'm not sure you can, you can get that player 
with Andres Beecher's Richard Jefferson or one of the, you know, Tyler Jenkins, one of the end of the bench young guys. That is just a mere snippet of what Rusty had to say, not only about the Warriors' trading possibilities, but about Golden State in the first 52 games, as he will join me next, along with Marcus Thompson of the Bay Area News Group. It's a conversation you don't want to miss around the roundtable. Hi, Tim Roy, and thanks once again. You can always tweet me at WarriorsVox, WarriorsVOX, or send me an email, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. We try to get to as many as we can. When we continue a conversation with the paper boys, Rusty Simmons of the Chronicle, Marcus Thompson of the Bay Area News Group, right here on KBR 680, the sports leader. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. We are at the All-Star break. Uh, the Warriors are 30-22. and 22. I, Tim Roy, joined now by uh, two guys who cover the Warriors day in and day out. Uh, Rusty Simmons of the San Francisco Chronicle and from the Bay Area News Group, Marcus Thompson. And guys, here we are. Uh, Marcus, we're at the break now, and, and I guess I'm kind of torn because on one sense, if you had told me on Halloween night in Phoenix that the Warriors would be eight games above 500 at the break in the number six spot in the West, I'd say, oh, hey, you know what? I, I would take that. But I guess we, we got a little greedy here coming down the stretch, and when they lose five in a row to go to eight games above 500, you know, I, I don't know. Should I, should I be concerned, or is this right where they, they should be? you got to be concerned. Uh, I think Mark Jackson made a great point in that they've, uh, they, they've made themselves – uh, put themselves in a position to be able to take a hit like this. So that's a good thing. But there's no question you got to be concerned. They've lost five straight in ugly fashion. I mean, their defense just looks downright just awful. Uh, teams are just walking around on the words doing exactly what they want to do. If they lost five tough games, five heartbreakers, five games where you felt like play here, play there, they, you know, they would have won then that's different. These five games has been like the old Warriors, the Warriors that they've been trying so desperately to se- separate themselves from. So to me, that's a concern because that, that that's more of a falling apart than a losing thing. Rusty, what, what do you think happened to the Warriors before that last road trip? Well, I think a couple of things. One, I think they're dead tired. Um, I mean, they played, they played four games in five nights came home for a couple and then did it again, played four games in five nights. So I think they're tired. Um, and these guys have logged heavy minutes this year, and they've logged them a position up. You know, <clears throat> David Lee playing center, uh, Clay Thompson playing three, so Steph Curry playing the two. So they're, they're playing against guys who are bigger, stronger than them, and, and heavy, heavy minutes. So one, I think they're exhausted. Uh, and two, as they've tried to work Andrew Bogut back in, it's a bigger adjustment than maybe we thought. You know, Mark Jackson kept telling us, oh, it's just a better version of Festus Azili. It's going to be so easy. But but I think there's a little bit of letdown when, when the anchor comes back to the defense, when they have a true rim protector. I think we've seen that there's a little bit of letdown. The, they don't stop, stop dribble penetration anymore, and maybe they think, well, now we've got a true shot blocker behind us. Um, and also they're trying to work him in. They're actually letting him initiate some of the offense. It's not just like they're, they're asking him to only offensive rebound. They're, they're giving him the ball down there. So I, I think there's a bigger adjustment period than, than maybe we were led to believe. Um, and, and for that to come right when they're tired and on the road, I, I think it's been uh, just a whirlwind of bad things. 
Yeah, I have, to, I have to admit, I thought I thought the transition to Bogut was going to be easy, I, uh, easier than, than normal, and maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe I didn't factor in what you say, but maybe there's a little bit of a defensive letdown, you know, because the guys are, you know, on the perimeter saying, okay, if my guy gets by me, we got Bogut back there now. Uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's it's working in in one sense. It, when when the guy does get by him initially, I think Bogut's shown that that he's healthy enough and good enough to come over and help and to stop somebody. The problem is that next pass. And so the guard beats somebody, gets to Bogut, and then that guard passes to somebody else, and that's where we've seen the people being tired, that one extra rotation. Um, so Bogut's doing his job, but I think the, the next rotation is where they're missing it, that extra pass. And the Warriors, when they used to be making all of the right rotations and they were quicker than everybody else and making multiple effort plays, that's what they've lost this last couple of weeks. And, and I think that, I think this this more than any point this season is where the loss of Brandon Rush really comes out because how how much different would things be if they could throw him out there now you know especially on a guy like James Harden you know you know or even a Chandler Parsons who looks like Larry Bird out there to me to me they really miss Brandon Rush now more than ever I, that that's that's what jumps out to me these last couple of games because they. Like Rusty said, they are they are tired. I'm tired, so I know they're yeah. tired because they're out there playing, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just right. Exactly, so. exactly. We're we're all we're all tired. It's it's you know I'm you know I can't tell you this. I'm looking forward to this break. I really am. And we're doesn't, that all, doesn't that all go back to Tim's original question? Like, should you be happy or concerned at 30 and 22 at the break? So they've done this without Bogut and without Rush. To me, I don't care Which if you crazy, five right? games in a row and looked awful doing it. You're 30 and 22 in the break without two of your top eight players. You should be ecstatic. Nobody thought this was going to happen. That's true. That's true. And you know what? If if again, I, I still go back to if if they can get through the next couple of weeks somehow close to 500. You know, if they if they come back from that East Coast trip and they're even close to eight games above 500, I really think they're in business because I think from what I counted the other night, 13 of the last 22 are against teams that are right now are not in the playoff picture, and a lot of those are at home. So I, I think if they can get through the next couple of weeks close to eight games above 500, I think I feel really good about where they're going to be in the Western Conference playoffs. No, I, I agree with that completely. And I, I think in some sense we've lost sight of that. At the beginning of this terrible, treacherous stretch, we said, oh, if they could just, if they could just hold serve, they could just break even, if they could somehow be around 500. Well, now they're eight games above 500 after this terrible stretch. So we know the schedule lightens up. We know they're going to be at home. Um, look, I, I think Houston's coming on strong. I still haven't given up on the Lakers. Um, I think Portland's point guard, even though he's a rookie, is not going anywhere. So I think there's some teams that are going to make it tough at the end um, that are right there in the Western Conference standings. But but nobody has as light a schedule as the Warriors down the stretch. I just Marcus. think I just think that if is so much bigger now. You know, before it was like eh, now it's like can they really do that? Can they go to Indiana, Minnesota, Boston, New York? I'm missing the game. Philly and walk away 500. Two weeks yeah, ago, yeah. I'd be like, no problem. Right. To get three of those games, two or three of them. Now I could see them losing those games. I could see them going one and four on that trip. So I just think the if is that much grander now. It's really a legitimate if, and not you know they're gonna win four out of eight. You know, or even you know, uh, three th- three out of eight. You know, which 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 is basically old serve. Now, just the way they played, 
They've shown it's possible to lose five in a row, six in a row. They've shown they can just get off track like that. And maybe maybe it is just fatigue, but it's hard not to let that old Warriors, you know, thoughts creep in. Like, here we go again. Just, before, I didn't think that was possible. You're, now I have to see it as possible. You're adding your complete uh, body of work there, right there, your complete Warrior experience, I think. I think all of us who have been around a long time, I think, have that same thought. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, Rusty Simmons of the Chronicle, Marcus Thompson of the Bay Area News Group. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's, you know, I think that goes through a lot of Warrior uh, fans' minds right now. If you were to look at the deadline, which is also coming up, first of all, Marcus, you go first on this one. Do you expect uh, the Warriors to be active at all? And if so, what would what kind of player would you add? I don't think they're going to do anything. Uh, I just I just don't see them giving up anyone. You know that that would allow them to get better. I mean, they have a lot of pieces like Bob Myers. They have a lot of a lot of players who, if you put them on a certain team in a certain situation, would be really good for that team. And I just don't think they're willing to part with them. But what I think they need is a Brandon Rush type of guy. I think they need a guy who can come in and get them points off the bench but play really good defense. Because one of the things that Rusty and I talk about all the time is that second defensive unit, they just, they just cannot score. And the Warriors are not good enough of a defensive team to just not be able to score like that. They need to score. Uh, and, and, and that unit with Draymond and Jack and, and Landry and Jefferson, I mean, they just don't have enough offense. They need someone who can come in and short spells, who can lock their guy up, but still give you something on offense like, like Brandon Russ did. Uh, but the problem is that person has to be, you know, somebody who's making $2 million and the team is probably willing to give them up for Jeremy Tyler in exchange, which is just probably not plausible. Yeah, I think it's interesting the uh, that that you mentioned that because I I think uh, Rusty, see if you agree with this. I kind of agree with Marcus in the sense where I think a guy that could score a little bit maybe doesn't doesn't have to be a three. He can even be like a, a hybrid one two, but some some guy that can come off and 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 give them just a little bit of punch because you know I think one of the things about the Warriors and we saw this in the first forty games of the year is the fact that if their defense is good enough. Uh, they have enough firepower to where they can outscore teams, and I think that's that's what they have to get back to is having their defense be just good enough. So you want Nate Robinson back? No. <laughs> yeah, <that's> no, a- <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say that so quickly? Yes. No, no. I do not want Nate Robinson back. No, I mean, I think I think Marcus is right. I think the guy they need is Brandon Rush, and they had him on the roster. He's just not going to be able to play this year. Um, and I think I think Bob Myers showed his hand last night when he said. We want to see this group together before we make any moves. Well, you only have two more games before the trade deadline, so you're not going to get to see them anymore. I mean, this is it. Uh, so I don't think they're going to do much. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Tyler or Jenkins um, to get under the luxury tax. Uh, and, and, look, you, you, the question was asked, are they going to be active? Yes, they're going to be extremely active. They're going to take every call, make every call. They're going to talk to everybody. And if there's a chance where they can – unload Richard Jefferson or Andres Biedrins in a, even a lateral move, they're going to make that move. But um, I don't see them doing anything big. And, and I think they do need some scoring punch off the bench, but I'm not sure you can you can get that player with Andres Biedrins, Richard Jefferson, or one of the, you know, Tyler Jenkins, one of the end-of-the-bench young guys. You know, so now, you know what else I think they need, and okay. I think Steph Curry will agree with me. They need a finisher. 
you know, and maybe that's a, a, a three, four kind of guy. Somebody who's going to like take it on a break and actually dunk it, you know, or somebody who's, who's going to finish strong. They need an athlete. You know, I wouldn't mind, you know, if they had like a Gerald Green, you know, a guy you're not going to rely on to, to carry you. But every now and again, he'll come in the game and then the other team will say, uh oh, all right, you know, we, we got to pay attention to this guy. They don't so, have so anybody you, like that. Harrison so, Barnes is Harrison Barnes has become Vince Carter on the Warriors just because they are that unathletic. I mean, he's a good athlete, but he's not really gay. But he stands out so much because they are just that unathletic. If they just got a guy who could run the floor hard, finish, you know, dunk here and there, maybe you know, go up strong. I, I think that'll be a worthwhile pickup, and they probably could get it for cheap. You know since he wouldn't be playing that much. And it's it so again you're going back to what the, they missed with Brandon Rush, you yeah, know. Yeah. He's he's that guy. I mean, do you like uh maybe Shumpert or or you mentioned Green, the Thaddeus Young, that kind of a guy? Thaddeus Young would be perfect, I think. Uh I mean, I, Josh Smith is the guy I think who kind of encompasses all of it, but that's not possible nor would I probably even do it because he's a nutcase. But that, that just, kind of guy, just, that three, four, kind of can play multiple positions. Is an athlete, rebounds, defend. I mean, that would be ideal. A guy like that is just just uh, just think though, if it's Josh Smith, nineteen thousand people at Oracle screaming, "Don't shoot the three. I mean, it's just you know, that would be that would be heartbreaking. My, my fear with any of those moves, I mean, Josh Smith, they want the moon from him for him, and then he wants a max contract. Thaddeus Young is going to take something to get him. Mont Shumpert, the Knicks are asking for a first-round pick. I, I don't think the Warriors need to give up their future for this season. I don't think there's a ton of people who... And not for those guys. Yeah, th- th- this is a team that's going to win the championship. I think this right. is a team that's developing something. This I don't is more, think there's this is... any problem with playing out the, these 30 games, making the playoffs, and trying to make a run with this group and seeing if it works. There's no problem seeing if it works for 30 games plus the playoffs. And then making a move in the offseason. They had a great offseason this past year uh, with the Jared Jack trade and the Carl Landry free agent signing. Um, so I, I don't have any problem letting them evaluate these, these 30 games and this, this playoffs and, and, and figuring it out from there. That, that's, a, that's, a really good, that's a really good point because we're kind of just throwing out names and having some fun with it. But, yeah, it's a really good point. I think I think Myers, though, might get enticed a bit because how many teams do you think are calling about Jared Jack and Landry? You know, uh, as much as much as those guys have been every bit of the difference for the Warriors this year, chances are you can't keep both of them. Jared Jack just might get a hundred million dollars a year next year. I mean, just based on the way he's played, he just might. I have this. I have this feeling that he's going to get priced out of the Warriors market because some team is just going to fall in love with him and just and pay him a lot. Do uh, do if they get a deal like that, what if what if all it took was Jared Jack and you know maybe a Draymond Green to get a Thaddeus Young? Would you do it then for a guy who's who just might not be here next year anyway? I think I think Bob Myers is going to be faced with some of those because teams need a Jared Jack, they need a Carl Landry, especially those teams who are going to be contending for something more than just making it to the playoffs. And that, that's well, where I think it gets really interesting because those two guys, I don't think either one of them is going to be back next year. I think Jared <laughs> Jack's going to cost too much. I think Carl Landry's going to opt out. I mean, he's not going to come back for $4 billion. So I think he's going to opt out and try to go get money somewhere. Um, I, I think the Warriors are going to lose both of those guys. So then it gets wow. really interesting. you got to make that decision. They've meant 
so much to you this year. So are these last 30 games, is this, this playoff run worth it to you to hold on to them, or do you try to go out and get a younger piece, somebody else that you can add into this developmental role? Well, the other thing, too, is that, you know, they have a couple of contracts that will get a lot more attractive next summer. Yep. And so they might be able to make moves in order to keep one or both of them. But let's, let's, we're kind of raining on the parade here before, you know, we even get to it. So, so, so take this team as it is and, and say the, the final uh, 30 games or so. And, and, well, before we get to that, let's, let's go back to Bob Myers for one second. I want to go back because you guys brought up a very interesting point. Uh, how much consideration does Bob get for Executive of the Year? I think he, if the Warriors, you know, finish strong, if they get it turned around and get it back going again with the the home schedule of March and April, uh, he's got to be in the running for for the moves that he made to to have this quick of a turnaround. I think he certainly has to be in the running, and it's fascinating to think that a team down south brought in the best center in the game, a Hall of Fame point guard, all these veteran pieces, you know, to sit on the bench for not for nothing the minimum veterans minimum and that, that somebody could somehow pass that that group down there with the lakers for executive of the year but i think myers has to be there between hitting on all three draft picks and finding an unsigned drafted rookie who, who's playing and contributing for you um and then the jared jack trade and the carl landry signings i think he had a huge offseason um and everything's just kind of fit together i, I think it's been unbelievable if they hold on and, and make the playoffs, I think he's in the running for sure. I mean, I don't see who, who's done a better job. If you just talk about just what it takes to be a general manager, I mean, this guy went to the flea market and came out like crazy. You know, I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have you know, big money to spend. You know, he didn't have, have three draft picks. He had the real right. And somehow he turned that into plus 20 wins probably. You know, so... Where's the better job? You know yeah. that that where's the GM who's done a better job? You could look at the Lakers somehow make it. I mean, they have everything. You know who's not going to want to? Who's not going to? You know, that's easy. I could be the GM of the eh, probably not, but I just <laughs> think that's an easier job. My, what Myers did is kind of phenomenal when you really think about it. Jared Jack for for nothing basically because that Darrell Wright deal was done. He was gone for. Some dude name we can't even pronounce, and that turns into Jerry Jack. Uh, Landry, we all thought would get more than four million dollars. He ended up getting that guy. I mean, he, he he went to the flea market and came out with a luxury with luxury items, uh, and that to me is more impressive than any GM who went with a bunch of money and signed, you know, some big name player. It's it's where we saw. Myers' relationships really come to fruition. We all heard about that when, when he was going from being an agent to being a GM, and we kept hearing, oh, he's got such good relationships around the league, that's where it's really going to help us out. Uh, and we saw that this off season When you have a deal done with Philadelphia, and all of a sudden because you know people in New Orleans, and because you've been good to them, you finish off a three-team trade and you get Jared Jack. And then Carl Landry did get more money from other people. But because Myers and Bartlestein have a relationship, because David Lee is represented by Bartlestein, and because the team did did good for Brandon Rush and Lou Amundsen in a deal, Carl Landry chooses to come here. So I think that's what we started to see now, is that Myers, on top of making good decisions, has these relationships that have started to pay off. Hi, Tim Roy. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm talking with Rusty Simmons of the San Francisco Chronicle and Marcus Thompson of the Bay Area News Group.
So let's go, uh, Rusty, you go first. Which, uh, give me one player this year that has really impressed you on the Warriors. I think Jared Jack is the guy. I think he's been, been the key to everything. In fact, we did a, a poll of a bunch of the local media, and I figured all of the MVP votes would be for David Lee and Stephen Curry. Uh, and, and Jared Jack actually got quite a few. I think he's been just, just an interesting. Same question to you, Marcus. I think I'm going to go with, since he already went with Jared Jack, I'm going to go with Steph Curry. Uh, Jared Jack, to me, is the obvious choice. Uh, Stephen Curry, for a guy who's coming off a major ankle injury, and I still I still feel like he's never really played point guard before. You know, playing next to Monte is just not – it wasn't his team. I just I just get impressed with, with his willingness to be that guy for this team. And, and, you know, instead of going with David Lee, I mean, there are times where this team is awful and he just comes out in the second half and really takes it upon himself. Uh, and, and he plays defense and he passes. And he seems to be willing to do everything that's necessary and – to me, it's impressive how they look at him. I mean, David Lee is an established veteran. Uh, you know, he's the 2010 guy they like. But that locker room looks at Steph as, wow, Steph's, Steph's our beast. You know, and who? there was questions about whether he could be that guy coming off the ankle injuries. It looks like he's that guy. He's that kind of difference maker guy uh, that they really only got for you know, $44 million. The yeah, things that always fascinate me about Curry are you hear all the time in the league that great players are made in the offseason, the guys who add something to their game and come back with it. Well, he spent the, every offseason of his career rehabbing, and still he manages to come back every year with something new to his game. So somehow he's finding enough time to work on his game and add something while he's rehabbing, while he's getting treatment, while he's strengthening that ankle. That's really impressive to me. And then what Marcus was talking about there, being the guy in the locker room, he is just such a player magnet. I mean, even on that world championship team where he's probably the worst player on that team, but guys, superstars in the league are asking Curry, where are we going tonight? What are we doing? Um, he, players love him. Uh, they think he's a good player, and they like being around him. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think he's the kind of guy that you, that you give. The more responsibility you give to him around a team, the better he's going to be. You know, if you give him the ball and say, okay, you're going to run our team now, I think he's going to get better and better as opposed to being a guy who is uh, uh, asked to play a supporting role. I, I just think he's better when he knows he's running the show. And I thought Jack, because Jack is, you know, he's a starting point guard in this league. He's done it before. He's a veteran guy. Yeah, I mean, I how, many te- how many teams could he start problem. for? I thought that would be a problem. Jared Jack, who is a consummate veteran, who is respected around this league, says he's the background singer, you know. I mean, that's, to me, that that's that's a big tip of the cap to Curry because he could be like, yeah, I should be starting. You know, I think, uh, it was like many other words, man, I should be starting. You know, I should have a ball in my head. He's like, that guy, Steph Curry, is unbelievable. I'm I'm the backup. And I want to stay here in this position. I mean, to me, that, that really says a lot about about what they see in Curry. And you can always tell about players from what other players say. I think it says a lot about Coach Jackson, too, and somehow we've gotten through this whole first half without saying anything about him, and, and he's got to be in the running for Coach of the Year. And I think the two things that he's done is one right there. He's he's convinced all these guys that they have a role. He's convinced Jared Jack that he's the backup point guard. Um, when a lot of teams would have him, he'd be arguing that he should be the starting point guard or that, or that he should be starting and Clay Thompson should be sitting on the bench. It doesn't even have to be Stephen Curry. Um, so that's one thing that I think Jackson's done a great job of is he, he handles egos. He can 
convinces all of them that he has a that they have a role. And the other thing is, he's convinced this team that they're the underdog in every game. They're undermanned. They're undersized, and that's not true anymore. <laughs> they're not the underdog. <laughs> they're not undersized anymore. But he's convinced them that they are, and they go into every game, save for the last couple weeks with this hunger to play and to prove everybody wrong. And I'm not sure who they're trying to prove it to anymore except for themselves. They, they, they've just created this, this in their locker room that they're the underdog. And, and to me, it's fascinating. Well, the other, the other thing, too, is you know, I think Mark has been great. He's been consistent. The voice, the, the message, you know, and, and uh, you know, as, as people who have to use quotes and me on, ta- on basically what is tape, but no longer tape, but digital, but, and you guys, of course, in, in uh, online and, and in the printed word, but, you know, he, he, he has that same thing he sticks to, but I think the players like that, the same message over and over again. You know, you're not, there's no, you know, he says no excuses. Well, that, that's kind of a good thing. He doesn't get the players any outs. Hey, we, we screwed up. We, we own that, as he likes to say. And I think that kind of consistent voice really helps in, in, a, in a locker room because, you know, the, it's, it's kind of like, okay, we, let's get back to our same things that we, we stand for and we do all the time. And, and like you said, up until the last five games, I think they've been really consistent that way, and that's been a reason why they got off to a great start. So, yeah, you're right. I think Marcus has had a really uh, a great second season and has, has done a great job with this, this bunch. You know, I, I like yeah, the consistency part is so true because, it's hard to even listen to. I mean, me and Rusty, we know what he's going to say. You know, we sometimes, <laughs> before he comes out there, scripts out the quote sheet before A, because you know what's coming. Uh, and, he, and that does work well in the locker room. I mean, I, I think he is a better basketball intellect than he might get credit for. I know people think Malone is the guy, but there are so many. There's at least three or four times that I've questioned some, like, a move of his, and then he has his rebuttal, and I'm like, yeah, that's just not going to work. And then you look at 30 games in and be like, dude, how how are they how are they winning? You know, he's not just a motivator. I mean, he's a good motivator, but he 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 knows more basketball than I think he gets credit for. And maybe that's 17 years of point guard shining through, but he knows when a guy is is not in a good position, and we say, hey. How come this guy isn't playing? How come this guy isn't playing? And he won't ever throw the guy under the bus. But he's got an explanation for why that guy isn't playing. And whether we agree with it or not, usually over time, he, he it turns out to be right. You know, with this small lineup, we've been, we were killing that forever. But how, how can you argue that there are eight games over 500? I know. know? Hey, hey for, the, for the longest time, for the longest time, their best, Lineup on the floor, uh, at least in terms of the numbers. This is you know way before uh, Bogut was getting close to coming back. Was when they would play Landry with Lee, Jarrett, Jack, Curry, and Clay Thompson. And I would think, God, you know, you need a center out there. But then when you look at the numbers, and the numbers wouldn't lie, they're outscoring teams with that, with that group. So it, so you know, it he has a good a good feel for it. I, I again, I think his message has been really consistent, and uh, and and I love. What he's done on the defensive side, because you know, last five games notwithstanding, uh, their schemes this year have been have been excellent, and they've really allowed guys that you wouldn't think individually who are great defenders, but they've allowed them as a group to to become a a, a good defensive team, and, and that's that, that's really hard to do in this league. They're not 
changing their defensive principles game to game that much. It's not like, oh, because James Harden's here, we're going to all of a sudden play a box and one. You know, they, they basically stick to what they're doing regardless of who they're playing. Like, they know the stats of the, of the player and what, what an opponent likes to do and those sort of things, but they're sticking to what they do and then they try Even to do it, it well. Them, yeah. And David Lee was talking about that the other day, that in the past, you got you went with shoot around. You got caught up so much in oh my goodness, what are we changing tonight? And then you got into the game, and while you were thinking about it for that one second, like what's my adjustment tonight? The guy was already by you, and now all of a sudden he does the same thing every night, whether it's hedging on a screen or not, or you know it's the same thing every single night. And they've gotten pretty good at all that stuff now, even though they're not great defenders. That, that's a calculated decision, you know. That to me that impressed me. They said, you know, he said we looked at the data. And the data says if we protect the paint, in the long run we're going to win. So even while everybody's getting hot, you know, they play Houston and Oklahoma City and all of a sudden everybody's the greatest jump shooting team, it takes some some extra to say we're going to stick to what we know works. We're going to stick to the data and convince your players this is the right thing to do. Even while threes are raining, teams are shooting 50%, we're gonna to stick to what we do, and you just gotta, you know, you just gotta carry out the mission, so to speak. You gotta get back to hustling out there, because I'm looking at the coach like, look, clearly it's not working. You need to make an adjustment, and he's like, here's what we do. We are not doing what we have been doing, so you guys need to get back to where you were, instead of saying, all right, well, let's make this tweak here. And I think with a young team, that is that is super vital, just to get them. Can keep them consistent. Here's what we do. It works. We've seen it. And we're not just going to change because you stop doing your job. No, you start doing your job again. That's one of the other things that I like so much about Jackson is he doesn't need to prove to anybody that he's the smartest guy in the gym. I think even back to his TV announcing games when he got ripped for being more of a catchphrase guy than an X's and O's guy. And he could have broken it down any way that he wanted to, but he decided to do the catchphrase thing, and, and he got paid for that. And well, as yeah. a coach now, he sends the same message every game in the media, and he doesn't care if he's being questioned or anything. He doesn't need to prove that he's the smartest guy. Now, sometimes Marcus and I get to talk to him off the record at shoot-arounds, and then he'll start breaking down play-by-play play and quadrant-by-quadrant, set-by-set, and, set and you're, like, you're like, oh, my goodness, he knows everything. <laughs> well, that's, that's the, you know, that's, I thought that was, to me, one of the things that he uh, did well on the TV was, you know, he had, he had, Jeff Van Gundy alongside. He's a coach. Let the coach be the coach. And, and you you know, he was talking about the emotion of the player and that, that. And, yeah, he got caught in the, in the catchphrase thing, and then it worked for him. And, and it, But he did what, to make that three-man booth work, he did what he needed to do to make that booth work. And to me, I, I, I always liked that part about him. And, and uh, you know, the, you can't the – other, the other thing I like about what he does is that he hires coaches and lets them work. You know, those guys get out there and hey, everybody's got a certain player and those players work on, you know, they work on the development of those players. He lets Coach Malone do what he can do best. And, and I think that's a that's a sign of a good manager because a lot of coaches, at, you know, we've seen in years gone by, whether it be Warriors or other teams, you know, at some point they, you know, they, they don't have that, that trust factor in their staff sometimes. And so they try to do everything themselves. And that eventually is going to lead to ruin. You just can't do it. Not at this level, but hey, before I let you guys go, let's let's look at the last uh, thirty games now. Thirty games left in the season, and and uh, Rusty, what do you see? What do you expect? You know, they're they're coming off this five game losing streak. Obviously, the break comes at a great time for them. It's a great time to get away and 
you know, clear the head of what's going on last week and a half. What do you see over the last uh, 30, 30 games? Yeah, my opinion on this actually changed a little bit last night. I, I started thinking, man, that's rough that you, you lose five in a row, and then right after you come back, you have to go on that tough five-game road stretch. And, you know, all those teams are getting healthier. Minnesota will have Rubio and Love, and Indiana will probably have Granger, and New York will have Amari, and Boston will have Bradley, and Philadelphia might have Bynum. So you look at that and you're like, oh, man, these better teams than they saw the first time around. Um, and I thought, oh, this is going to be bad. But then that's what had made the Warriors great for the first half of the season was when it looked like they had no chance, they somehow rallied around this thing of being undermanned and undersized underdogs. And so I think it's almost a great thing. that They had this five-game losing streak at the break, they're going to come back, and everybody's going to be panicked, and, and they're going to go out on the road for this tough stretch. And I think this is something where they'll rally around, and that chemistry and character that they've talked about all years should shine through. If not, then they're not the team we all thought. Hey, this is the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Golden State well represented in the All-Star Game this weekend with David Lee in the game on Sunday, Steph Curry in the three-point shootout, as well as Harrison Barnes and Clay Thompson in the Rising Stars Challenge. We're talking with Rusty Simmons of the San Francisco Chronicle and Marcus Thompson of the Bay Area News Group. Marcus, before you answer, the, the, add this to your answer, and it's something I'm, I'm starting to think about maybe the last few weeks, even before the, the losing streak. It almost seems, too, as, as Rusty says, you know, they've been playing the underdog role, but I think teams, Marcus, are starting to bring their A game against the Warriors. You know, they're saying, hey, we can't, you know, this is not going to be like it's, you know, used to be coming into Oracle Arena. We've got to come with a better game to win here. Do you see any of that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, as as Bogey said, they're the hunted now. They're not the hunters. Uh, they're they're. You hear Chandler Parsons, you know, talking trash to the Warriors. You know, when <laughs> he looks at the Warriors, like man, let's go take them down. Jeremy Lin is saying they're ahead of us. We need to go take them down. I mean, when does that happen? Uh, I think that I think that creates uh, a different mindset. It makes you have to play the game differently, where you're trying to take something from somebody else. Now they're trying to take something from you. That's a little bit different, and I think the adjustment period for that has been tough. But I think Rusty's right. I think I think this is actually going to be a good thing for them. I think it's a very humbling thing. I think they know they're not as good as they thought they were. And I think, you know, coming down this stretch, they, they know they've got to get back. You know, they made, they made this season what it was with that seven-game road trip that everybody thought they were going two and five on. And now we all think they're going to go one and four on this next one, you know. So they're back in the position that they were, where people are doubting them. Nobody thinks they're going to be good. And I think once they come off this road trip, I think that's where the Warrior fans kind of carry them home because this stretch of games, I think it's going to be like the 07-08 season, you know, uh, where everything is online and it's all at Oracle and it's all where – they have to win it. They have to win it at home. And I think that kind of intensity will give them what they need to get over the top. I think it's going to be crazy down the stretch, but as long as they get that mindset back, and I think that road trip coming off straight out at Utah, who's right behind them, right away they'll have to get back into that mold that helped them early on in the season. Yeah, no question. Utah's right there, and, and uh, that's going to be a big game for them and a tough place to play, and, and uh, we'll see how the break will help them and whether or not they can get back to where they were in the first half of the season. And as you say, Marcus, those uh, 16 of the last 22 at home, nine of the 16 
home games, as of my count right now, are non-playoff teams to the moment. Now, of course, the Lakers and Portland are in that mix. We both know they're capable ball clubs, so they have to throw that in there. But certainly it's it's right there. Hey, uh, guys, I really enjoyed this. Marcus Thompson, the Bay Area News Group, and Rusty Simmons, the Chronicle, I uh, enjoyed this. Think of me if you're going to Houston. I will not think of you. <laughs> <laughs> My thanks to Rusty and to Marcus for a job well done. You can hear that entire interview on the SoundCloud at Warriors.com, so make sure you go there for all your Golden State Warriors audio. Join us for the next Authentic Fan Friday, brought to you by Comcast Sportsnet. Next to Friday, February 22nd, see the Warriors debut the first-ever modern short-sleeve uniform when they take on the San Antonio Spurs and be part of the Authentic Fan Experience. The first 19,000 receive a Harrison Barnes collection your series cheer card for ticket information go to warriors.com slash fan friday we'll wrap up the round table with a look ahead to houston the all-star weekend right here on kbr 680 the sports leader i don't believe it i can't believe you're unbelievable unbelievable we now continue with more of warriors roundtable Time now to look ahead to the weekend, and what a weekend it will be for the Golden State Warriors franchise. First of all, the Rising Stars Challenge. Two players on Team Shaq, Clay Thompson and Harrison Barnes. Clay Thompson loads one up. He'll fire from range. Got it, and a foul. He's got a chance for a four-point play. The sweet release of Clay Thompson. Corner to Barnes. Takes it to the rack. Goes high and hard and threw it down. My goodness, Harrison Barnes, a little elevation sensation. Then Warriors guard Steph Curry, who many think is the best shooter in the game, was selected to participate in the Foot Locker three-point contest. He is trying to win it for the first time after finishing as a runner-up in 2010. Curry, he's open, fires for another three. Yes! Oh, I like it. I like it nice and spicy. Put some more curry on that dish. He's got 21 points, and the Warriors lead by two, 88-86. Curry will be battling New Orleans' Ryan Anderson, the former Cal standout, Matt Bonner of San Antonio, Paul George of Indiana, Kyrie Irving of Cleveland, and New York's Steve Novak. And then on the Sunday, David Lee, well-deserved, becoming the first Golden State Warrior All-Star since Latrell Sprewell. Lee, high post, looks in low. Waiting, waiting, now to shoot, takes a shot, it's up and good. Did I say he was feeding it? Yes. David Lee is playing on a different plane right now. He's above just about everybody else on the floor. So plenty of things to keep track of if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, as the Warriors are well represented in Houston. Then it's back to NBA regular season basketball. The Warriors go to Salt Lake City to take on the Jazz on Tuesday, a very important game. The Jazz right behind the Golden State Warriors in the race for the Western Conference playoffs. 5.30 the airtime on KBR 680. Then on the Wednesday, February 20th, Warriors back home to take on the Suns. 7 o'clock the airtime on KBR. It's Clay Thompson Bobblehead Night, brought to you by Lucky. The first to 10,000 fans receive a Clay Thompson limited edition bobblehead, courtesy of Lucky. And then on Thursday, February 21st, it's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable Trade Deadline Edition. You don't want to miss that. So, I'm Tim Roy, thanking our producer, R.C. Davis. 
Dave Feldhouse at the controls, thanking our guests to David Lee, Steph Curry, Harrison Barnes, Clay Thompson, Mark Jackson, Bob Myers, Marcus Thompson of the Bay Area News Group, and Rusty Simmons of the San Francisco Chronicle. Enjoy your all-star weekend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday from Salt Lake City on the Golden State Warriors radio network. i Tim Roy saying good night. Ray Woodson is up next, taking your calls and comments at 808 KMBR. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four on three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball. For tickets, go to Warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.